Thanks for joining us for episode three of the Flourish podcast. We learned that in dry periods, plant roots will reach deeper into the ground to find groundwater. Today, we had the opportunity to sit down with our friend Jacqueline, who clung to hope and remained faithful in a dry and dark season. We can't wait for you to hear this powerful conversation. Welcome, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. Um, So I kind of want to ask um, if you could just share how you came. We know you from our church, and so if you could kind of share how you came to the church and how we all met each other. Yeah, I actually grew up at St. Clair Shores, the Summons of God, when I was a child. So I was basically born in the pews. Um, I was there until I was about nine, and then my family and I left to another church for most of my teen, going into my adult years until I started, until I got married. Um, but yeah, I started young, and I know a lot of the families and that kind of stuff, so it was definitely a large community. There's a big kid ministry, so you just felt like family all the time. Sure. Um, I have another question about that. Um, I, I guess I knew that you grew up at the Shores, but I didn't have you always been there? Has this always been your church or have you ever left? Uh, nope. I was there until I was nine. And then we were actually at um, another church out in Macomb County. And we were there until I was about 20. And okay. um, so that became my second home. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we've been looking into plants and how plants grow and take root, um, there are a lot of parallels to our faith and how plants grow and the different seasons that they're in. So today we want to talk about dry seasons and what that can look like when we each go through these dry seasons and how we handle them and how we remain faithful to God in those seasons and how we hold on to the truth that we believe deep down and how we link arms with one another and basically pull each other along in that when we are struggling or going through difficult times. One thing we learned is that in dry periods, plant roots will reach deeper into the ground to find groundwater. So can you share about your own faith journey and what you've done in a dry season? Yes. There's been quite a few dry seasons, as with plants, they go through many ups and downs. Um, Some are good crop years, some are not good crop years. Uh, But yeah, I've gone through quite a few. Um, The biggest one, I think, started when I became a stay-at-home mom, Uh, not by choice, but um, by God just moving me into that direction. I've been on both sides of a working mom and a stay-at-home mom, and the stay-at-home mom being at home and um, just being with my kids Uh, I love my children. They're all a year apart. There's three of them. But um, that was not something I felt called to or that I ever thought I was qualified for. And so during that time, it did feel very alone. And I felt very hidden away from many of the people around me. Not a lot of people understood. We also moved from a new house and um, we had different family dynamics that changed. So during that time, it was hard to find community in that where I felt like everybody was going through the same thing. Um, So during that dry season, I really had to rely on my church family Mm -hmm. during that time. So knowing that it like you're saying that it felt dry. So everything basically felt like you shouldn't be doing this, but you knew that God was saying to do it. Um, Can you talk about maybe like how you knew that this was God? Yes. So um, it's funny because when you read the Bible, they tell you about, you know, what women should be doing and what kind of woman is a, you know, a, a wise woman and a great woman and all these things. And the thing that stuck out to me the most wasn't just for women, but for people in general were the fruits of the spirit. And for me, there's like a whole list of things I want to cross off and like, yeah, I'm not self-controlled. Nope, not gentle. Uh, Same. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, when you have three little kids, so they're all a year apart. So at one point we, I had a two and a half year old, a one and a half year old and a newborn. Wow. And I just remembered uh, changing their diapers and I did the first one. You're like lining them up. It's like an assembly <laughs> exactly. line. Uh, did the first one, moved her over, did the boy. Moved him over. The, the last one, I just remember going, this is my life. Like, this is not what I had planned. And yeah. God had a sense of humor. And what's funny is that the things that we pray for, sometimes um, you don't realize how much you've prayed for them when you go through a season of loss. So for me, my dry season actually started when I had a miscarriage before I had my very first child. And I was pregnant for four years in a row, and um, that is really hard hormonally. Mm-hmm. So going through that season of all these children, 
I'm like, God, what are you doing? We're trying to be good stewards of our money. <laughs> we were so young uh, when we started having kids. So I'm like, God, this doesn't make any sense at all. You keep sending children and we can't afford any of this, which is really the first indication that we needed to stay, that I needed to stay home while Josh worked um, because we couldn't afford it. Three kids in daycare was yeah. insane. Um, but as I started to really be content with it, I found a mom's group. Mm-hmm. I have a friend's uh a very close family friend who introduced me to this amazing group of women. And she was like, you got to come out. You have to come out to it. And what they do at their church, which was phenomenal, and I think all churches should do this, is they would have the older women in the church would actually babysit for the younger women. So you would have the younger women getting together, um, doing Bible studies, doing different things, and they would disciple each other. And then you would have the older women taking care of your kids, and they would be ministering to your kids down Mm. down the hallway. And that just stuck out to me because it's a full circle. So you're like, okay, I get an hour and a half of break, but my kids are with someone that I trust. Mm -hmm. And so in that time, God just started watering and I felt so unqualified to do any of it. I did not feel like a good mother. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt crazy most of the time. (laughs) But what I'm hearing you say is community. I mean, that is like the thing that I feel like we will like preach until we're blue in the face, but truly there's so much healing power when you find community. Like, even if you're doubting um, what God is asking you to do, if you just have one voice encouraging you that you are doing everything that you can do and like you're doing what God has asked you to do, like it gives you the fuel to keep going, you know? So um, do you stay in contact with any of those people? Uh, Through Facebook we do. Our group broke up. um, Actually, when I went back to work now five years ago, um, we kind of broke up. Everyone kind of scattered. Um, It was described once like a dandelion. We had a church where we had all gone to different um, areas of the world and different places, and we missed all those people. But um, my friend of the family said, she's like, you know, God kind of gave me a picture. It was like a dandelion. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we all, you know, got broke and we're all this, but actually that you blew on the dandelion. Now we're just spreading out to different Mm -hmm. areas, different churches, different The Great Commission. (laughs) So, So my Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did you find that group again? So um, the lady who introduced me, I've known for a very long time over at, um, it used to be Metropolitan Tabernacle. And she... Uh, we've just been close family friends for years. And so she was like, you really need to come out and see these people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who is looking to find community but having trouble finding it? Um, I had to go against everything I was thinking and feeling, <laughs> essentially. I had to... So feeling awkward probably, right? Yes. Yeah, um, it's hard. Believe it or not, um, I come off very confident and sure of myself but internally I am very insecure socially especially with new people um it's very hard to just be raw yeah. <laughs> right out yeah. there hey by the way I have a problem it's me um <laughs> but really I had to fight every instinct that was going on yeah. in my head like why would I drive all the way out to Washington Township at 26 mile I barely have money for gas I can barely make it out there and every single time it was a specific word from a specific person mm-hmm. in a specific time yeah. God was so good it really did feel like um, for lack of a better term of fertilizing like yeah. it was just fertilizer 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 and miracle grow where it yeah. was just this the um, nutrients and there were just it was just being enriched it was mm-hmm. being enriched and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like anything was blooming yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I could feel it, and it was just sometimes you have to take a season of just absorbing because mm-hmm. you can't put out. Yeah. You can only put out what you have in. So for a while, it was just soaking. Mm-hmm. So. But I think that that points back to the roots because even though you feel like you weren't blooming in the plant, like the fruit of it you hadn't seen yet, you were planting your roots, and they were going deep so that you could have fruit in the end. You know and. I would say you probably have a better understanding of community or what you need to have in these lonely seasons because of the roots that you planted there. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Um, The biggest thing, too, was allowing your eyes to be open. For me, I thought church meant it had to be people at your church, people with this type of thing, people in only this area. And I got very boxed in with this is what church, quote unquote, should be or look like. And here's a friend, we didn't go to church together anymore, and she reached out a lifeline mm-hmm. and said, no, you need these people over here. And I had to be willing to be transplanted, that is a word, uh, for, <laughs> for how to, you know, oh, it's propagate. 
where you mm-hmm. take something and you break yeah. it apart and you move it somewhere else. Yeah. And it's just, that's what community is for me. And being in those dry seasons where I had to be willing to be propagated mm-hmm. and transplanted somewhere else yeah. for that timing. Mm-hmm. And I had to be open to that. Well, and I think too, like I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, um, there's so much power too. And just like listening to your friends and your community, like, um, I don't know if anyone else in the world is like me or if it's just me, but I like to think that I know what I'm doing all the time and I really have no idea what I'm doing. But um, I think I have the people in my life that can voice their opinions or concerns or call me out on something. Um, And I think Anna could probably attest to this. I'm a big um, advocate of confrontation (laughs) and it's not because I actually like to confront it's not because I really like enjoy saying how I feel to people but I just have always seen the power in going and communicating truth and I think that there is um a lot of power in just letting your friends speak into your life and then listening to their advice because she knew what you needed and if you would have ignored that you who knows like what that would have led to you know and so I think that having um people in your life that you have given permission to tell you the truth and listen to them um and really like take in the weight of what they say is just as important you know um Mm -hmm. as even finding the community because what's the point in community if you're not going to sharpen each other iron sharpens iron right and and sharpening is friction and so it can be hard and it's like rubbing against each other but that's um you know, that's a huge part of what community is, you know. So maybe could you talk about, um, other than this instance of her asking you to go, but like maybe a time where it was challenging to show up in your community or like, you know, listen to the people around you. Yeah, so I had this one friend group and then I had another friend group who, Mm -hmm. this was a group of people who we all went to church together, but I left. Um, and it was definitely a move of God at the time of we were moving out and there were, there our church did great things there, but we were not a part of it. And it can be real, feel really isolating when your friends are all together and they're doing community together. And you're like, what about me? But these friends were very good because they were still in the same season that I was only a little bit ahead. So their kids were just slightly older. And they would still invite me to things. And so we would always go to play dates out at uh, George George Park. And now between the four, between any four of us, you could have over 20 kids. These friends, (laughs) these friends are advocates of foster care and adoption. So I actually had the less um, out of all of them, the least out of everybody. Um, Some of them had five, six children, seven children at some times. But when you're all together, it doesn't feel like you're that outnumbered. And then my one friend, Amber, I will never forget, I was feeling so stressed out. And I'm like, my kids are runners. They don't stay. And this is not (laughs) enjoyable. And I don't get to talk to my friends. And I'm like, God, why is this happening? Why bother? Why bother being with these people? Um, This is miserable. And I just remember my friend, Amber, she was just like, if you do not teach your kids how to do this, they will never learn. She's like, take your kids, put them in the car, take them to the playground. I'm like, okay, you know, um, whether it was the grocery store or the or the playground. She's like, you gotta keep doing it. Yeah. It's repetition, and yeah. that is when my spiritual muscles started building because it was so parallel to what I was dealing with spiritually. Of okay, yeah, I just got to keep doing it. Yeah, I still got to show up, and I still have to, and it got better. Amazingly, it got better. Yeah. As they said, the years go by fast, you know, and time feels slow in the moment, but. Um, they did. The kids started to learn and they got older and they didn't run all the time. Yeah. And then we started like, oh, I now have the youngest or the oldest kid in the group. So now we can enjoy. But it was, so, I'm so thankful that I listened to her in that. Because um, I'll tell you, as a first time mom, you think you have all the answers. Sure. And so when someone tries to tell you something and you're like, who are you? And you know nothing about me. I'm a great mother. You know, you're coming at me. Um, no, they're not. They're just trying to save you of years and, and hours of trouble. Um, by number three, though, you're like, I don't even care. Tell me whatever. Take them. You know, I actually know zero. Things. <laughs> so now I'm like, tell me whatever. I don't want to deal with this for hours. So mm-hmm. please tell me. So I've had seasons of that. And that can feel very lonely where you do not want to be a know-it-all. You do not want to reject people because if you think about it, 
how hard was it for them to even say something mm-hmm. to you? Yeah. They're like, hey, I walked through this. Maybe it'll help you. And you're like, how dare you? Like, you're speaking to my life. But if people take the time to actually say something, you're like, well, thank That's you. Good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Put it in the back and think about it later. Right. Yeah. You don't have to take their advice. I mean, there are times where you do just mull it over and decide that doesn't work for your family and that's okay too. But I really like what you said because giving someone the time of day and like allowing them to just say it might do more good for them even than you realize, you know, to just be heard. So you said something, you said I had to keep doing it. What was it that you had to keep doing? Um, I had to face my uncomfortable feelings. I had to face my Fears. At some point, it was fears. Um, I had a situation where I took my, oh my gosh, I took my kids to this um, this place on Grossbeck in fifteen, and it's a very busy road right over there by Elizabeth. And um, I took my kids out. It was an exercise. It was going to be this fun thing. Well, someone had left the door open, and Liliana was uh, three, Logan was two, and for whatever reason, they were. Um, driven to run across the entire field and we're wow. heading towards Grossbeck. And I just remember yelling at the top of my lungs, stop right now. And they actually stopped, they listened, and they came back. But that situation, getting out of my comfort zone was I had to keep going into these situations yeah. even though something like that could happen or mm-hmm. I might lose control mm-hmm. of myself or my children. <laughs> like, it, it could right. be anything. And I had to keep putting myself in awkward positions that I didn't know what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I can face that. And then it was like a notch in your belt. You're like, okay, yeah. well, I went to the grocery store mm-hmm. with my, you know, two children and then you add another one. You're like, okay, number three. <laughs> I did it with three, you yeah. know. Um, and now I look at parents with little kids and I go, how are you doing it? <laughs> I don't know how I did it back then, but it was like you – purposely put yourself into positions where you were going to be um stretched Mm -hmm. you were going to be made to feel uncomfortable and uh, you know unprepared there were moments I sat in my car and I think I just closed my eyes and was like we made it through (laughs) everybody's in all in one piece oh look they're sleeping thank god yeah we made it through the day but it was just putting yourself in those situations over and over again Mm -hmm. you know just to train yourself You know. So I kind of want to like get deeper into like you had spoken about the hidden place. And mm-hmm. so I really want to get into that because, um, yes, community is important. Yes. Like exactly what you're saying about showing up and continuing to show up is important. But when you feel like you're in a hidden place, like that means that you feel not maybe not seen um, or you feel like maybe God is silent. I know a lot of hidden places in my life. I just am like, God, I haven't heard your voice in so long. Um, and so can you kind of talk about more of like the real rawness of being in a hidden place and how that felt? Yeah, I so in, in having my children young, um, you know, I was I became a stay at home. At the time I was still working. My daughter was a couple months old. Um but my husband and I, you know, we've been married for 15 years. We're going on 15 years, been together for almost, you know, 19. And we got together very young. And so our faith started very young and everything was just young and every just thing mm-hmm. just feels very magnified. Um, but we did walk through a very difficult time in our relationship um, where there was infidelity on his part and he had stepped out and... I had a three-month-old baby, and then I was pregnant, and just walking through this, Mm -hmm. the most difficult time you could ever walk through, I've never felt more hidden in my entire life. Um, I started to feel like when you plant a seed, right, you have to have the right ingredients, you know, you have to have the right soil, you have to have the right climate, you have to have the right conditions for this to work. I just felt in this season where I was just being planted very deep. And the deeper you go, the darker it is. And the Mm. deeper you go, it can feel all-consuming. And it can feel like you don't even see the sunlight when you're that deep. And going through that, this was, you know, 11 years ago. And I just remember wanting to give up. I wanted to let go of everything and just be like, okay, I'm within my my rights. I can just move on and move on. I have two little children. And it was (laughs) insane. I'm like, yeah, that's not, that'd be crazy. But I just remember the Holy Spirit just, there was a vision I had where everything was dark. I couldn't see light, couldn't see anything. I couldn't tell anybody. It's one of those things that you want people's opinion, but you don't. You're like, can you please pray? It's one of those unspoken prayers, but it's a real unspoken. (laughs) like, What I need is your prayer, um, not your opinion in this. I just need to walk through this. And 
the Holy Spirit really did hide me away from many things. I was cut off from a lot of things around me because I needed it. And so in that moment, when everything felt very deep and dark and very just consuming, there was a vision of a, um, like a light. It was just a string. It was just a light of whatever it was. And it was a very thin piece of string that was lit up. And it was just, to me, it was just the Holy Spirit. And yeah. as I do not let go. Yeah. And so I just grabbed a hole and said, okay. And I would just remember there being a moment between God and I, and he said, this is what you're going to walk through. And at that time, I was like, okay. And it was like putting on your bootstraps, and it was just, I had to go deeper. And I had to go to my roots of what do I believe? Yeah. Who is God to me? Who am I? You know, at the time I was moving into, I hadn't become a stay-at-home mom yet, but I was on my second pregnancy, well, third pregnancy, but walking through the second pregnancy, and I'm like, who am I? Who am I? I've always, you know, labeled myself as a teacher, a worker, a, you know, I do worship, I, I do this or that. And I'm like, God, I'm like, I felt like nothing in that moment. And God just took me deeper. And as I went deeper, um, I had another friend who said, when you feel confused and you feel unanchored and you don't have anywhere else to go, focus on the character of God. Mm-hmm. What are his attributes? And in studying his attributes and studying his character, when I started to see who God really was, not what he could do for me, not for what he's done for me, I actually, I believe in that time, I actually stopped praying for specific things. Like, here's an answer to prayer, check it off. Here's the answer to prayer. It was more so, God, I just need more of you. Mm-hmm. I need you. I need your presence. I need, I just need to be whatever to be meant you know, and mm-hmm. my husband's family was amazing. They came alongside. My family was amazing. There were a couple individuals that were great, but it really did feel like a very isolated time sure. that I really couldn't talk about with people. Mm-hmm. You know, in the church, there's stigma with different marital problems and issues, and um, God really became my source, yeah. Yeah. like deep, deep. Yeah. I didn't know if I could go any deeper yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah. So. Thank you for sharing that. That's really vulnerable. Um the whole time you're talking, I'm like picturing this plant, right? And like, so the reason that a, that roots go deeper, um, what you said was so good about it being so dark and you can't even see the sunlight, but the reason that they go down more instead of up is because they know there's hope for water down there. And I just kept thinking of that, of like you choosing to go deeper and deeper was like that little shimmer, that little string of light that you saw that like, if you know the character of God and you know who he is, um, you have hope that if you just keep reaching further and further, you'll find it, you know? Um, and what did you discover about God in that? You know, it was in the valley in the deepest places that I heard God the loudest, actually. Um, he spoke so much clearer, you know, he, Some was audible, some wasn't, but I learned that God was my source of provision, and that was physical. Um, I had very horrible, horrible pregnancies. I was sick every day for nine months through birth. I threw up all the time. It was miserable. It was awful. And then at that time, I was still working. So God was literally my source of strength. So dealing with physical issues, but then dealing with emotional and mental and that type of stuff, it was too much to deal with. And so God literally became my provision. Then he became my strength. There were days where I didn't even know if I could even walk and do something and still put on a brave face for my kids. I couldn't let myself go for my kids. They were babies, but I still had to take care of them. They still needed me. So as I took care of my kids, God was taking care of me really so much so like a baby really he became my bear you know what do they say about your needs you have to have shelter and you have mm-hmm. to have food and i think there's one more water water but there's like one more need you have clothing your, yeah four basic needs right food clothing water shelter yes. yeah so god literally became all of those for me because i couldn't do it i mean we were very young did not have good jobs we barely there was times where i had like i think 20 bucks in my um bank account and i had to buy diapers i had to buy formula i had to buy food i'm like well thank god i'm at home um and god would have his grand my husband's grandmother um, who's passed now, but she um, would just show up with diapers or she would just show mm-hmm. up. God showed me that he was, um, you know, love, but also that he was compassion. Mm-hmm. Like he would move people to yeah. do things. can't tell you how many times um, 
And I, I stopped telling my grandmother-in-law that I liked anything because she would show up with it. I'm like, stop it. Please stop. Like, you know, she'd be like, oh, I like that shirt. And she'd be like, here's a shirt. Like, I'm not telling you anything anymore. But she would show up with food or she yeah. would show up with diapers. My mom, same thing. Like, you know, there's been meals where people have been. So God showed me that he was compassion, that he was love, that he was mercy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like, dealing with God's mercy and just accepting it. I think grace and mercy is really easy to say out loud. It's really yeah. easy to say, yeah, God, I accept your grace and I accept your mercy. But when you're in like the thick of it and that's all you can even muster is just God's mercy for every day. Mm-hmm. I just remember waking up and thank God it's a new day. Thank you, Jesus, it's a new day. So for me in my situation, you know, grace and mercy has kind of gone hand in hand, you know, um, with grace being, you know, the definition of that being the favor of God, but mercy, you know, not getting what you don't deserve you know god just showed me there's a lot of things that i still i don't deserve i don't deserve you know um freedom i don't deserve i don't have a right to you know god to bless me in all things i don't have a right that's not a right but god does bless you in it because that's who he is he's sovereign and he's merciful so for me um god's mercy was i don't deserve to be blessed in this because I feel like I'm failing. Mm. I feel like the worst parent ever. There were days where I was like, I feel like I feel awful. You know, whether it was that particular season, but even down the road where even, you know, to this day, it's, there's times where you're like, I just, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. God, like I can't do this, whatever this is and fill in the blank. And God just pours in his mercy and he gives me grace and favor and walks me through it. But it's the mercy part where he's like, yeah, you don't deserve X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to give this to you. What I find so interesting about what you're saying is that you probably had every right in that situation to not even go on that journey. (laughs) Like, you know, like I'm like, I'm very impressed by the way that you're talking about you finding the character of God and you um, needing mercy and grace from God and not becoming like a bitter hard shell of pointing your finger at someone else who you felt like needed the grace of God or whatever, you know. And I think um, walking as a Christian and walking under, you know, God's covering is very counterintuitive mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the ways that you could have handled that situation Um, It sounds at least, and I'm sure that there were days you weren't perfect. We all have that. But like, ultimately, it sounds like you went on a journey for yourself. And I don't know that I could say that I would do the same. And so I guess, could you maybe talk about that? Because you really could have walked away limping and angry and hard. But it sounds like you opened yourself up to what God was teaching you instead. Yeah. So, you know, and bringing it back to, you know, plants, that kind of thing, when you think about a seed, right, the most durable part of a seed is when it's a seed, right? When it's a plant, it has to withstand a lot of things and it is very hard on the outside and it's, you know, it has to, it has to protect everything, the life inside. And so as it goes deeper and as it absorbs, it has to allow it to absorb. And so for me, it wasn't just my journey. It wasn't, and I think that was the biggest thing is that God had opened up my eyes to what I do today or in that moment is going to affect my children for years mm-hmm. to come. What I do today is going to affect my legacy for me and my husband. At the time, I only had two. I had Liliana, who was pregnant with Logan, but Luca was not here. In it, It's crazy how God uses life and creation and everything to just mirror who he is and so um, when we reconciled and we decided that you know what we're putting our feet in and this is where we're going to go to and we're going to get to our roots and we're going to get to what do we stand for as a couple and a family um, I became pregnant again Mm. (laughs) after Logan and God just showed me so much in as I was pregnant with Luca he was a surprise he was my surprise blessing Mm -hmm. truly he was from god because um having a baby in the midst of a reconciliation sure (laughs) not exactly um the best case scenario your third baby at that (laughs) third child yeah um you know a lot of people say don't have a baby to put a band-aid on it that was not our choice we did not decide to have a baby but god had other plans Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of things in my pregnancy with luca that i kept facing um things that were if you faced them when you're not pregnant no big deal there's medicine you're good I had thyroid issues I had some weird skin disease mm. stirring this thing that if you're not pregnant and it goes away in a couple 
months, you're fine. But with a baby, it could cause stillborn. Luca had a um, his cord was wrapped around his neck multiple mm-hmm. times. Thank God I had an induction scheduled because he, you know, he was totally fine. There was cysts on his brain at one point, and then four weeks we prayed, and four weeks later they were gone. Luca, I love my Luca um, because he really was god's you know creation just walked out and so in watching luca thrive and grow and just do all things he's also my um most strong-willed and (laughs) my most determined um he as soon as you said i love luca i was like i love he he gives her a run for his money (laughs) he's so smart and he sees so many things um and he also is an absorber yeah. He absorbs everything. He is observant and he picks up very quickly. And I just remember he was like two or three, and I just remember being a very tired mother, just rocking in my chair, going, Oh my gosh, like I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit just dropped in my soul. He said, He's the one you're gonna have to pray the hardest for. And I was like, Why? Okay. <laughs> but it was that feeling of I'm not praying the hardest to protect him from anything. I'm praying the hardest because as a mother and as a prayer intercessor for my child, he's going to do big things. Yeah. He's going to do great things. And apparently I'm going to be his first number one fan to pray him through. So it wasn't my journey. It was me and my husband. Mm-hmm. It was me and my children, my family even. You know, they're walking through it. Um, you know, They always say as marriage advice, you really should not complain about your spouse to your family because they're not there when you make up. So the things that resonate in their mind are the things that you guys were still dealing with. So in their mind, they're thinking, oh, you guys still are in some argument. You're like, oh, no, we got rid of that like weeks ago or months ago. And so that that always stuck out to me. I'm like, okay, I got to be careful with what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are supposed to be the champion for your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's you and your spouse in your house, right? And it's you guys kind of against the world in some mm-hmm. regard where your home is what God gave you to mm-hmm. cultivate to Mm -hmm. love to grow to really make your own Mm -hmm. because he asked you to steward it Mm -hmm. yeah so it was never really my journey it really was i just saw myself as a connector to my husband my children what is this going to look like Mm -hmm. and i think that actually helped me not be bitter Mm -hmm. because if i would have been bitter and closed myself off i don't know i don't know what would have happened to be honest you probably watched your husband go on a journey too because as the person who you know, chose that, um, it was probably really hard for him to, you know, to go on that journey of healing and, um, even feeling forgiven and all of that. And so, um, can you kind of talk about watching him go down that path and how, you know, obviously you guys are still married to this day. Um, we know a good version of him. And so I'm sure that you've seen a lot of growth and how has that been? Um, I love my husband. He's amazing. He really is truly, um, probably the best that I could have asked for for myself. Um, we are paired very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's al- We've always been kind of, you know, opposites of a coin where, although we've kind of flipped as we've gotten older, but um, I would be socially introverted. My husband would be the extrovert and would talk to anybody and everybody. He would leave me at a party and go talk to people and just leave me there. And I'm like, who am I talking to right now? But we just were paired so well personality-wise But to be honest with you, um, you know, I felt a call into ministry very young as, as, you know, I was 11 years old. So I've always had this focus of I got to prepare. So I'm going to go to school and I'm going to study and I'm going to do all these things. Well, then, you know, you meet your spouse and you meet the the guy that's for you. And God's like, okay, you guys are going to do this together. And so my, um, the vision God had given me. From a, from a young age and then even going into my 20s, we got married at 22, God always showed me that it would be us together. It would be us together. It would never just be my ministry. It wouldn't be the things that I did. It would be us, our family, him and I together. So when he went through what he did, there was depression involved. There were circumstances that were outside of, you know, even our control. And I'm not condoning his behavior, mm-hmm. but there were things that he had a very hard time processing I never lost hope for that. Mm. And I and that was part of the reason why I didn't give up was because God really showed me that there was something there. Mm-hmm. There was not just potential seems like such a not a big word, but for lack of a better term, potential of he's going to do great things and you're going to be together, but trust me in the process. So and I say all that to say I started my process even of credentialing mm-hmm. when we first got married and it took me over 10 years to get 
a program that's only a year and a half long that I could have been done. Um, but there were times where I had to stop and take a step back during these seasons where I had to. Can you be credentialing to get your ministry license? Yes, to be a pastor, okay. and um, which I am now, but I never saw it as just me. Mm-hmm. So in watching him, the other thing was I wanted him to be further than what he was. Mm-hmm. And, and as a wife, you know, we want what's, we always say we want what's best for our spouse on our timing when we want it and when we're going through it. Um, that'd be great. And God's like, yeah, that's not how this is going to work. And yeah. so I actually had to, I remember very clearly a couple years in and even after everything happened, um, where I actually had to take a step back and I said, God, I refuse to pray for this anymore. I'm going to stop praying that he would change. That's like what they tell you, you're really not supposed to pray and ask for your spouse to change it's you you pray for you to change and then let god do what he needs to do and so all these things that i kept pushing for and pushing where i want my husband to be in ministry and i want him to do this and then i want him to do all these great things and all these expectations and god was like what are you doing why are you pushing this in your timing and so at that time i took my hands off and was like all right god you're gonna walk him through it and i'm gonna trust you in it and can i tell you to this day i am so glad i did because it is so sweet and deep to see my husband where he is today. He is loving. He is involved in church. He's involved in his community. He is a giver. Um, he loves our children. Um, he texts my husband for tacos at 10 p.m. apparently. <laughs> yes. A case of mistaken identity. Um, he so- texted Frank the other day and he's like, um, what did he say? He's like, what are you doing? It's like 9 o'clock. And Frank's like getting ready for bed. And he was like... Oh, I thought, you were, going I thought you were going to the movies and he's like who and then he's like I wanted to see if you wanted to get tacos and Frank's like who do you think you're talking to <laughs> I don't think this is him. so I got home from something Josh just like have you ever done this before I was like that's funny I Frank's should text like, like does he that. not know that I go to bed at nine every night because no. <laughs> it was great no he is very community minded he is spontaneous like he will do things he grabs he is very magnetic so he just will bring people along with him and to see him now versus if i had thrown in the towel and and hear me when i say we are not responsible for our spouse's salvation that is not we are not responsible for that that was a burden that i used to carry for a very long time um in my or really anyone's yeah i'm sure a lot of people walk through that at some yeah. point but I'm not responsible for my family's yeah. salvation. I'm not actually not responsible for my children's salvation, yeah. which is that's a hard pill to swallow. It's very hard <laughs> to just let that go. Yeah. Um, but what I am responsible for is me covering my husband. Mm-hmm. There was a point in time where, you know, the man is the is has been established to carry the mantle of your home. He has been established to do the things God has called him to do. There was a time where I had to pick up that mantle. So in talking about how did you get out of those you know, what did you do in the hidden areas? Yeah. I took my kids to church. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because they give you an hour and a half of free babysitting. Yeah. <laughs> in the moment, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I yeah. had an hour and a half of relief. Yeah. I had an hour of a half of self-care. I hate the term self-care because it's really not self-care. It's spirit care, really, of just, I'm going to leave my kids here with safe people, and I'm going to let God just speak to me. Yeah. And so, yeah. and my kids saw me. Oh, man, trying to get them in the car, get them dressed, you know, go through multiple outfits because someone spit up or someone made a mess. There were days where I was like, well, I'm just glad we got here. You know, we're alive today. But it was just taking my kids to church. That was the first step. And in spite of whatever my husband was going through. I took my kids to church. Yeah. Took my kids to church. That is how I ended up actually back at the shores was um, about eight or nine years ago. It was. It had gotten to the point where it was too hard at another church that we were at to go by myself. It was too hard, you know, to not be with my parents. My parents, and actually I have quite a few family members that go to this church, but, you know, my dad had always said, he's like, I really want my kids to come to church. I really want them to be here with me. I'm like, okay, dad, got it. But it just came where it really was the right time. Right. And so bringing them back here where they could see community, see their grandparents, you know. Um, so when you're in those dark moments, you need something familiar. Your kids need something familiar. My kids know their grandparents. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can see their grandparents. They can see the people they've always grown up with. My aunt and uncle goes there, you know. Um, so it's just in those times, continuing to be faithful in that, where 
just put him in the car and went and mm-hmm. just showed up. So all that to say, you know, Josh is doing amazing. Yeah. He's doing incredible. And mm-hmm. I am so thankful. There was a time where I realized that the mantle had been given back. And I've never been happier because yeah. if you've you ever tried to carry something that is not yours to carry, yeah. that is the worst. Mm-hmm. It is stressful. You are, you have a lot of resistance. You're trying to push, you know, what do they say? A square peg in a round mm-hmm. hole. Like it's not going to work. Yeah. And God didn't create us for that. Mm-hmm. God created you and your spouse to do specific things. And so to be faithful in it and to carry it for a short time. Mm-hmm. And when he rose up and he was ready and God moved him into that, I took my hands off. I'm like, this is not for me. I want to give it up as soon as possible because mm-hmm. yeah. this was just too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the reasons that we thought of you or why God put you on our hearts, obviously it was for so much more than we could see because I think up to this point it's been really good. But um, we have watched you. I When I came to the church, um, you were – doing worship on Sunday mornings. You were serving as a part of the board of our women's ministry. Um, And I've watched you step down from a lot of things. Um, And I know that that a lot of that is you choosing to put your roots deeper um, in different areas and things like that. And so can you kind of talk about the season that you're currently in um, or, you know, recently we're in in the season that you're walking into right now? Yes. So it's funny 2020 was a great year um you know it's everything shut down right and so where a lot of people dreaded it and they hated it then you had the other opposite introvert people like yes i don't have to see anybody anymore um i kind of fell into the introvert place where i was like well i'll just do church from my you know living room this is great i don't have to go anywhere and all this stuff but um i came from a church where or just the background of what we grew up in that you always had to be busy. Mm-hmm. That ministry and life and being a Christian always meant busy. Mm-hmm. The more you did, the more you produced. The more you were involved in, the higher up you were in some imaginative level of <laughs> like leadership, I guess. Um, so it was always about more and more and more. And, you know, there were times where I'd be at the church, you know, multiple days a week. And you're like, okay. And then 2020 happened. And there was even a moment even before that I have had no issues in my life, this is something that I actually have gotten very good at. Um, even as a teenager and in my early 20s where God's like, you're wrestling with some stuff. You need to remove yourself. Mm-hmm. And I started that probably in my teens where I was like, you know what? Because I've been doing worship for a very long time. Um, I've been playing bass guitar since I was 14. Um, you know, and doing those things. And I was like, you know what? God started speaking to me at that point. Mm-hmm. He was like, you need to remove yourself. And so I would talk to the leader of whatever ministry or whatever thing. i say, you know what? I need to work this stuff out. Me and God need to work this out. I don't know if it's permanent. I don't know if it's, you know, going to be forever, you know, or just a short time. And every time I pulled myself back to go to my roots and God and I would just have our moments. Sometimes it lasted a couple weeks. Sometimes it'd be months. Um, 2020 was the great reset. That's what I call it. The biggest ministry I was involved in was worship. What does it even mean to worship? What does that look like in your life? Because at this time, we had no music. We had no worship corporately together. We only had, you know, your recordings. You had things that were virtual. But what does that even look like? What about you? You know, for me, I'm a singer. I, you know, lead worship. I play an instrument. And I can't even use my craft. You know, what does that mean? And so God took me very deep in that season of okay, what does this look like? And guess what? Worship has nothing to do with music. I'm going to tell you that. It's an expression of who God is, and it's a weapon. And it's like all these things. I actually read a very good book. Um, Quick plug for the Hallelujah Factor. I uh, recommend everybody to read it. If you are a Christian, you need to read it. Um, And it brought down who God was, the name of God. What does he do? What is praise? What is worship? How does it work in the Bible? When you go through the Bible, you see that, you know, it's the musicians that are in front of you know um the battle lines when they go in i mean can you imagine going into ward like nowadays and your musicians are right up in the front you're like god entrusted them i mean you talk all the time in the bible where he lists out the names and the clans who were the musicians i mean it was so much more than music there was very specific things and so during that time God really started helping me refocus okay how do i leverage this time of waiting how do i what do i do here so in that time, I had removed myself. And then things changed. Things started opening up, and you get back into it. I was involved in ladies' ministries. Um, I was doing that. I was doing youth. I think there were a couple other things I was doing. And 
I prayed. And I was like, God, I don't want to be someone that gives 10% to 10 things when I can give 100% to one or 50 to something or how can I maximize whatever it is you have for me? And so, you know, God asked me to step down of ladies' ministries, still go to everything. I'm still involved, but I'm not on that aspect. And I honored God in that. And then God just started opening me up for different things. Mm -hmm. So the most current thing I did was last year, I think it was last year, um, God asked me to fast being on the worship team. And I was like, well, what did that even look like? So for two and a half months, and I was like, when's this going to end? Mm-hmm. He didn't say. <laughs> and the word I got for the year was, you know, prepare. Well, what does that mean? Prepare for what? And so in that time, what it did is it actually made me available for other things, mm-hmm. other ministries. God mm-hmm. had me um, go and help out another church for something. He had me do some house type event. Mm-hmm. He, it was like laying down what I thought I needed and what I thought ministry was, God opened up my eyes to all the other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so I had read a, a devotional a few months ago, and it said, why do we as Christians settle for God's best mm-hmm. when it, we should be asking for God's better? Mm-hmm. God's best is what looks good now and what we yeah. think is, the, is a good thing. And there's many good things that aren't bad. But what's God's better for you? Mm-hmm. Better is progressive. There's no cap on better. Mm-hmm. So what, what is God's better for you? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you for whatever is better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to believe that everything you have for me is good. And, and I, that was a hard thing for me to grasp, but God had good things for me. Okay, so you were talking a lot about how, like, other people came alongside you in those seasons where you were feeling like, okay, I can barely make it to the park or I can barely, I don't know. You were giving a bunch of different examples. So what's coming to my mind is I just really feel like there needs to be an encouragement for, you know, I don't know who's listening right now, but if God is prompting you to do something or to say something or to donate a meal, you said people donated diapers or Mm -hmm. a meal, formula, whatever it is, to listen to that still small voice or Mm -hmm. to follow that prompting to do that thing because you don't know what will come of that like what if your friend didn't invite you to that group like would you have just been isolated in your living room alone we don't know so just encouragement to those who feel like God is telling you to do something and to step out into something that may be uncomfortable or maybe you feel like this person would never say yes to or they look miserable when they're here keep inviting them keep pulling them in and um, showing them the community that they can be a part of Yeah, that's really good. Something that we always ask at the end of our episodes is what is something that is helping you flourish right now? And so um, can you share that with us? Yes. Um, I actually found this picture on Pinterest and I, cause I was kind of researching different things and what does it mean? Like, you know, you always see this, um, I think it was Dolly Parton or something said, you know, the storms go deeper with their roots or trees go deeper with their roots when, you know, it's a harsh storm. So I started kind of researching it a little bit and this picture came to mind and just explains it so well. So the picture is of a tree and then you have the tree that's out. You have the trunk, you have the branches and all the leaves, right? And there's all these things. Those are the fruit, right? Um, But then in this picture, you have the roots that are deep down. So what are the roots that give you fruits, right? Mm -hmm. And so the thing that helps me flourish and all these things on here, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Oh yeah, that's what I do. There's a, there's a method to this, I guess. Um, One of the things they were saying were study and meditation that helps me flourish. You can't tell people or help people with things you don't know. Mm. You have to get in your word, change your translation of your Bible, read a different, um, you know, listen to a different preacher, listen to different things. If you stay in the same thing all the time, it becomes kind of like an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of branch out a yeah. little bit. You know, our, our friend Sarah is really good at that. Um, she has probably taught you, but she has taught me about switching up the translations, mm-hmm. like listening to new people. She's really good at that. Yeah. Yes. She is incredible about that. And, you know, they also kind of have in here, you know, confession and repentance, how do you expect to grow if you can't admit the things that you are doing mm-hmm. in your life that need to be rooted out and pruned? Mm-hmm. You have to confess that to someone. Yeah. You know, obviously God and you have a relationship with God, but find friends that you can confess this stuff to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Find someone that can keep you accountable. That is how I flourish. Also, they have stuff like, um, you know, resting and waiting. Oh, man. Resting and waiting in stillness. Mm-hmm. That is not passive. 
We think of rest and waiting as something that's passive, that you're not doing anything. It means you're just laying there. Well, mm-hmm. no, you're resting and you're waiting is just, you know, you're sitting there and absorbing God's presence. Let him speak to you. You know, I heard a saying recently, it's hard to hear what God wants to speak to you when you've already decided what he's going to say. So in those moments for me to flourish, I have to stop moving. Mm-hmm. I have to stop talking, stop thinking. Thinking's the hardest one for me, mm-hmm. actually. Um, they talked about in here looking and listening, fellowship of sharing and suffering, um, forgiveness and cleansing. We talked about that. And then like silence in solitude in your inner life. Those are all the roots. If you want fruits on the outside, you have to do these things. These are spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. that are really easy to say, yeah, spiritual discipline. But no, these are things that you have to like, incorporate into your life. Am I perfect at everyone? Absolutely not. But I have to be willing to listen and I have to be willing to absorb whatever God has in that moment. So right now in my life, I am in a transition area, I guess. I'm not really moving in one way or another. And so I was just talking to my dad about this morning and I was like, what do you do in the waiting? What am I going to do? What do I focus on? And um, a friend of mine and I, we did our Bible study today together. And we were breaking down Isaiah and we were talking about, and we went back to the word. If you don't know what to do and you want to flourish, go back to the word. Yeah. yeah. The word will speak to you every single mm-hmm, time. Yeah. It gives you what you need. It mm-hmm. says to you what exactly God wants to speak to you and just God just becomes alive. So I guess that's the biggest thing for me. I'm mm-hmm. flourishing because God's word is just so alive. Yeah. It's so rich. It's mm-hmm. so relevant. Oh my goodness, going through that today, we were going through, you know, Isaiah and just seeing the parallels between our the life back then and now. Yeah. God never changes. Mm-hmm. So go back to the word, whatever that looks like. Go back to the word. Right. You need the word. That I'm is your sustenance. S- I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's so important. And I think sometimes when we read our Bibles, we may walk away and be like, okay, I don't know if I really got something from that. It might have felt like a dry reading period that you spent. But then you don't know that moment that you're going to be in later in the next day, week, month, where the Holy Spirit's going to be able to bring that back to you because you've been faithful to read your Bible and faithful to get the word planted in your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, as we come to the end of today's episode, we would love if you would pray us out and just pray for those who are listening today. Lord God, I thank you, first of all, for your spirit. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you've thought of each and every one of us, God, that um, even before we were formed, Lord, that you knew, you knew every season we would walk, every journey we would walk, you knew everything that we would do. And Lord, you loved us so much to come alongside us in that. So God, I pray for my friends. I pray for those listening, God, that you would be their steadfast anchor, God, that you would be their rock, that you would be their hope, Lord, that as they feel that they can't do it, that they want to give up, Lord, that they want to close their eyes to the rest of the world, I pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes to their heart. God, I pray that they would be able to just reach up and see you, Lord, that you're there with arms open wide, Lord, that we don't have to wait to walk to you, but that you're there. So God, I pray that each person, Lord, that this would bless. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray, God, that there would be an awakening, Lord, of um, dead things or dormant things that seem like there's no life, God, but that you would bring them to life. And God, I thank you and praise you for all that you do. In your name, amen. Amen. Amen.